Jeremiah chapter number 37. I warned Brother Jody at least. I don't know if Kurt heard me, but I warned them yesterday that I may preach this message uh, tonight. Um, getting ready for yesterday. Normally, Brother Jody or Brother Kurt will, will take care of the Tuesday nights. And then um, they've asked me to, to most of the time take care of the Saturday um, service there at the Lost and Found. And so um, Brother Jody just kind of confirmed that on Wednesday night. And so I was already thinking ahead. And um, this particular passage, uh, kind of like this morning, I just want to focus on one phrase in this verse and uh, just really give you what the Lord's um, spoke to me about. And I gave it to the men yesterday, so I think... Uh, Brother uh, Nathan and uh, Stanley and Kurt and uh, Jody, y'all have heard it, but don't turn me off, okay? And uh, so let's read Jeremiah chapter number 37, verse number 17. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. For, said he, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Let's bow our heads and pray once again. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the songs that we've sang tonight. Lord, it thrilled my heart, Lord, to sing some of those old songs that often are overlooked. Lord, but tonight we got to hear your people stand and sing uh, those old songs of Zion. And God, I'm glad that they're still true. They're just like the Scriptures, God. There's there's something about those hymns that your saints in days gone by uh, have written. And God, it speaks to our hearts, and I thank you for that. I'm glad that there's power in the blood. Lord, I'm so thankful of that today. And God, we pray tonight that you would allow us to preach your word. Father, we know that we're low in number today, God, but these are your people. And God, you've asked me, God, to feed them through your word. So I pray you'll let me be obedient. Lord, I pray you'll let them be receiving tonight. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I preach on this thought. Is there any word from the Lord? And again, I just want to just want to read the first part of this particular verse again. Uh, Zedekiah took him, took Jeremiah out. Uh, Jeremiah was um, on house arrest, if you will. And uh, in such, he took him out of that, brought him into the king's palace and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And then the prophet Jeremiah said, Yes, there is. For he said, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. And so, uh, I want to remind you, of course, if you've read this, you've heard it, Zedekiah is the king. You can read about him in 1 Kings. You can read about him in Chronicles. You'll you'll find he also had another name, and that's Matthias, I believe is how you uh, pronounce it. And his name was changed But here we find that he is this king of Judah, and he's asking the prophet Jeremiah a question. 
Now, this was an important and critical time in the life of Jeremiah. As I mentioned just a moment ago, he was in uh, in bonds. He was under house arrest, and he was a prisoner there. But the reason that he was a prisoner is because of the very same thing that he spoke here. Uh, He spoke out against the king. He gave them a or gave him a prophecy uh, that pretty much doomed him. And uh, so now he is the king has brought him out of prison. He's asked him once again, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah, I love it. He's known as the weeping prophet, but that doesn't make him a wimp. That doesn't make him weak. Uh, he says, uh, yes, sir, there he is, and you're not going to like it. Uh, you are going to be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. And so he had a message from the Lord, but... Uh, even though it was unpleasant, he had to present it. He had to give it. And uh, if you've never taught or you've never preached, uh, maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I would venture to say if you've been saved any length at all, uh, there's been a nudge from the Lord uh, as an individual to have to talk to someone else. And uh, it's something that maybe you, the Lord gave you a message. And I'm not talking about any any uh, any uh, um, extra uh, biblical thing, no uh, revelations, nothing. Something like that, but uh, maybe you saw someone do something, uh, or maybe you know that they're going through some things, and you've got a message uh, that God has placed on your heart, and you've got to give that. Uh, even when it's uncomfortable, it would do you good to follow the leadership of the Lord. Now, I'll just go ahead and I'll go ahead and stick my foot in, the, in my mouth, and maybe in yours too. Uh, if if you've got an opinion, oh. If you've got an opinion, I, I dare say, keep it to thine self. That's in the book of Second James right there. Uh, don't, don't blame God for your own opinions being swirled around, okay? And uh, so if God's giving you something that you've got to give, you better have some Scripture to back it up. Uh, otherwise, keep, keep your mouth shut and, and just move on and have a good day and bless and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I notice here about Jeremiah... Uh, you'll see in the New Testament that he's called Jeremy, the prophet Jeremy. And uh, so that's referring back to Jeremiah. Uh, but he had this unpleasant word and he still had to deliver it. And I'll say this, that the Lord still has a word for us today. There's a lot of folks that they're trying to change the word of God. A lot of folks are trying to stamp out the word of God. You go back to the earliest of times when uh, after the church was established, once we had the, the written account of the Gospels, you'll find that, that rulers, particularly those rulers of Rome and those rulers of Greece, as uh, the, those Grecians, they, they had the idea that they were philosophers and they knew better. And so they tried to stamp out the Word of God. Those that were in Rome, they fought against the Word of God, mainly because uh, there was someone more powerful than them, and they despised that uh, line of thinking, and so they tried to stamp out the word. Uh, you go into uh, uh, different religions, and they've tried to change the word of God. They've tried to burn the word of God. Uh, the 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 Catholic Church, especially, uh, and just on down the line, the word of God has tried. Uh, people have tried to quieten it. Uh, people have tried to dispose of it. But I'm glad that the Scripture said in Matthew, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away." And uh, so, in John chapter number one, it says, "In the beginning was the." 
the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was the Word in John 1, and he told us that he's never going to change, then guess what? The Word of God, it may not be in print, but I believe Brother David spoke it this morning, talked about, uh, thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And then he started talking about that it's a word, it's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. If the people of God would get in the Word of God, we, we may not have use of having to depend on the pages here. Don't misunderstand me. I love my Bible. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but a lot of times we get so used to this because it's not hidden in our hearts. But there may come a day when the actual word, written Word of God, the printed Word of God, is removed from our hands. And I hope that never comes in my lifetime But I want us to know today that God still has a word for us today. And the message may hurt us, the message may help us, but the message must be preached. I'll give you just a couple things. Number one, there is an earnest word. As far as I know, boys, I'm going to preach it just like I preached it yesterday, but there is an earnest word. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 1, he speaks first of all to the lost. He says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so there is an earnest word to the lost today. Over in Amos chapter number 4, verse number 12, it says, Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, Prepare to meet thy God. And I mentioned yesterday, I don't know if we, I, I, I say this, and y'all will probably tell me we sing it every other Sunday, about the old hymn, Prepare to Meet Thy God. I feel like I've not heard that in a long time. Uh, but what a, what a timeless phrase that is, that we should be preparing to meet our God, whether we're saved or whether we're lost, but especially if someone is lost today. Uh, there is an earnest word for them. Isaiah said, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I'm glad that there is an earnest word to the lost uh, that they don't have to stay sinful. They don't have to stay uh, dark. They don't have to stay steeped in their sin. Uh, but rather, they can be washed white as snow. I'm glad that there is an earnest word there in Amos that says, Prepare to meet thy God. Back in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verse number 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man uh, his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. And now I said this yesterday. Uh, this scripture says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. And sometimes we get we get sideways with some of these phrases that we see in the Old Testament compared to what we see in the New Testament. In John chapter number 6 verse 44 it says, no man can come uh, to me except the Father which hath sent me. Uh, draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. And we say things like, well, you can't get saved unless God calls you. And there's truth in that. Amen? I believe that God's going to begin to call you. He's going to convict that man uh, that he is desiring that he get saved. But, honey, I want you to know there ain't a thing wrong with doing what Isaiah said and seeking the Lord. Uh, there's been a lot of times. Now, I'm talking about uh, after I was saved. But there's been a lot of times uh, that I've seen people stand up and shout and they've been testifying 
Latin preachers would get up and I sat there on the pew and I felt absolutely nothing. And honey, I began to seek the Lord because I knew He was near. And so I began to seek Him. And I could remember back before I got saved, I'd made a profession. I'd been baptized. I did all the right things. Oh, so I thought. But there was still some times that being a lost young man that I saw things happening in the church and God moving in the church and I began to pray, God, tell me whether or not I'm saved or whether I'm lost. God, help me. God, do this. God, do this. It's the, the reason I was doing that. I didn't know it, Brother Kurt, but I was seeking Him because I knew He could be found. And I want you to know there's an earnest word from the Lord to the lost. But not only that, there is an earnest word to the saved. To the saved, they are to live a separated life. We, I, I don't, I kind of get my places mixed up where I've said this or not. But in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He says that we ought to be a separate people. I mentioned this morning that we ought to be a peculiar people. There should be something different about you and I. We may still speak with the same. Uh, dialect or the same uh, what is the word uh, the, the, uh, if you were to ask Benny Benny say the word A the letter A he'd have four syllables in it because he's from Ellaville he's a and, and so we may say that we may still speak the way that we're taught. If you were to ask Kaylee uh, to say something, you would swear she grew up on a dirt road. I mean, she's just she's just country as cornbread. Uh, then you get someone else. Maybe uh, they're proper in their speech. That's not what's going to tell us apart. Uh, but it's the conversation that we have with the mouth uh, that God has given us as the born again Bible believers. We need to live a separated life and our speech. Bible, the Bible talked about Peter after he had, or right before he denied the Lord, uh, he was sitting there warming himself by the fire, and the little damsel said, Thy speech bereath thee. In other words, it betray- there's something different about the way that you speak, Mr. Peter, and the reason why is because he had been with the Lord. Amen. And so we look at this, and we know that there is an earnest word for those that are saved to live a separated life. We don't talk about separation a whole lot anymore. Uh, But bless God, I believe we ought to be separated as the people of God. There's places we should not go. There's things that we should not do. Y'all listen to me. There's there's music that we should not listen to. Uh, There's television shows that we should not watch. There's movies that we should not watch. Again, there's places that we should not go. If I were to fall, we were we were at the uh, Mexican restaurant today, and Brother Jody saw a waitress uh, roll by, and she had a big old jug of beer and a a margarita or something like that. And he, I saw him staring. I thought he was staring at me. And he said, I just got to thinking, what would you do if that lady put that down in front of you? And I tell you, I I would have a hissy fit, first of all. I'm like, no, lady, you're going to have to get that out of here. You ain't got to go home, but you can't be right here. And the reason for that is because I don't want my testimony ruined by being around that. If if you were drinking and, and you had a beer and you had a, a, a bottle of whiskey, you had a whatever, and I was around that. Uh, that may not say much about you, but it would say a heap about me uh, because I'm condoning those things. And that's just one way uh, to look at it there. Uh, but then we also see that this earnest word to the saved is to be faithful. 
In Hebrews chapter number 10, we always use this as being faithful to the house of God. And I believe rightly so, but he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a man of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So if I can take your mind just for a moment and go through this thing backwards, the day is soon approaching that God is going to send His Son to receive His bride unto Himself. And honey, if there's ever a day that we need to get ourselves together and start putting, now y'all don't take me wrong, but start getting ready to see the bride or the the groom. If we get to, oh, if we start freshening up and we get our hair done just right, we get our spiritual makeup on, we get that new robe on, and we start presenting ourselves as the bride of Christ, honey, you better know today that the day is soon coming. And if you're in church and out of church and you're up and you're down and you're out and you're in and all these other things, you might be like one of those virgins there in the book of Matthew. And the Lord may come and you might miss out. And I know we can go a lot of different ways with that, Brother Kurt. But there's a lot of folks that they're living a lie today. And they think they're part of the bride. But they're just someone that's real close to the bride. They're trying to act like they've got the the blood of Christ applied to their life. But all they've got is some experience. And I've got an experience. And I can testify about my experience. But I'm glad there was a change in my life. There was a difference made in me. And honey, I want us to know this evening that we need to be faithful. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I think over there in the book of Acts, that early church, most of the time when you find them together, it'll say something like they were all with one mind and one accord. Or they were in the upper room. Or they were at this house. They were over here. And they were doing things together. And they were helping one another. They were praying. Listen, if we want to be faithful to God, we're going to have to be faithful to Him, to His Word, to His house, to His people, to His family. We need to be faithful. Not only that, but we need to, this is that word to the saved, is to keep the old landmarks. I wish a thousand times you could have been up at Brother Langston's church on Tuesday night and heard Brother Dwayne Moore. He is preaching. Oh, goodness, I don't even remember the passage. I, uh, I can't even remember the passage that he was in, um, but it was maybe maybe first, second Kings, something along those lines. Uh, and he was talking about Ahaz, but he's talking about uh, is it Nate 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 Bob Nate? Who? Somebody help me. Who had the vineyard? Does anybody remember? Naboth. That was his name. Naboth had that vineyard, and it says it was hard against the the palace walls. And he read on down there and Ahaz came up or Ahab came up to him and said, will you, will you sell me this plot of land so I can make a garden of herbs? And he said, now, Brother Dwayne, he said, I want you to underline that garden of herbs. And I sat there the whole time I was underlined. I don't want the preacher said, I'm like, now, how's he going to preach on the garden of herbs? What is this going to be? And Brother Kurt, he got, and I can't tell you too much because I may slip him a 20 to have him preach it down here one day. But uh, he got to, he got to talking about that vineyard and he said, now this didn't say it was a garden. He said, if it said it was a garden, we could just assume maybe it was tomatoes, maybe it was potatoes, maybe it was, uh, I don't know, peas, maybe it was some. He said, this didn't say it was an orchard. 
If it was an orchard, we would have had to guess, well, maybe this was a peach orchard or this was a pecan orchard or this was this, that or the other. He said, but it was a vineyard. He said, ain't very many things come from a vineyard. And he lined it up and he said, you can tell this was a, a vineyard for wine. And he began to talk about how that how that you can't just go out and plant a a seed and expect to grow a vineyard. It has to be grown from other plants, whether it be cuttings or whatnot. And he said, you can't plant it this year and expect to harvest next year. And he visited some place and they found out that, Bubba, it took at least 15 years to get a good enough harvest to be able to produce the wine that they needed. And he said, the reason that we see this here is because Naboth didn't plant the vineyard. His fathers planted the vineyard. And his father's fathers planted the vineyard. And the king wanted it so he could plant, listen, a garden of herbs. Now, I'm fixing to get back to my message. Y'all just listen. He said that garden of herbs, he said, you can, you can grow herbs in a coffee cup. You can grow herbs on a windowsill. You can grow herbs uh, out in the yard. You, it d- doesn't matter. And generally speaking, you plant them and you leave them alone. They'll grow. When they grow, you go and you... Th- he said, there's no work to be done. He said, in our modern society, he said, people are wanting to, to extract all of the things that our forefathers have given us. They're wanting to get rid of those things that have been planted generations ago that are finally producing good fruit and they're wanting some easy believism. And I'm telling you, once I got a hold of what he was saying, this verse right here came to my mind. Proverbs 22, verse 28. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Listen, there is a word from the Lord to the saved. It's an earnest word that we need not to remove the landmarks from our lives. There are things that, and you, you could, you could, you, you could probably all come up with somebody in your life, and they may all funnel down to one or two people that have had such an impact on you, and they've planted some truths in your lives, and year after year, you're gleaning from those things that you didn't plant, but somebody else did. And the scripture says, there's an earnest word, do not remove the old landmarks, those ancient landmarks. Don't get rid of them. There's an earnest word to the church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm not going to read it. But it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There is a word for the church. You and I, I realize it's hard. It's hard to make time to go. It's hard to make time to tell people. It's hard to make time to go on visitation. It's hard to make time to go help with the men. It's hard to go do these different things. But I encourage you today to go and teach all nations. Tell some, Tomorrow, tell someone about the Lord. The next day, tell someone else about the Lord. We could sit here and we could write on our one of our new white walls, and we can make a we can make a diagram of of how people in in certain areas of profession how that they will begin to to uh, multiply their their downline, if you will, and it'll start with one, and they'll tell three people. Those three people will tell another three, so you got nine. Those three will tell another three each, and then on and on and on and on and on. Well, it's not quite that. Simple. 
simple for you and I, but wouldn't it be wonderful if this morning we had around 55, if to, uh, next Sunday we had 155, wouldn't it be wonderful if the next Sunday we had 375? Oh my goodness, that would be wonderful. But we live in a society where there's two things that do not happen. One, the people of God do not tell the world. And number two, the world is not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, so they don't know what they're missing. And the reason is because we are not putting it in front of them. Yeah. Number two, there's a solemn warning. I got to hurry. There's a solemn warning. First, we see there's a solemn warning concerning hiding your sins. Numbers 32, 23 he says, I'm just going to kind of go quickly here. The very end, it says, be sure your sin will find you out. You can hide your sins as deep as you want to, but I guarantee you God's going to find them out. God knows the intents of your hearts before you ever do the sin. So don't think for a moment that he didn't see it. Don't think for a moment he doesn't know your hiding place. God has a word today, but it's a solemn word. Be careful with those sins. Next, we see there's a solemn word concerning sowing and reaping. Again, in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man uh, soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I can't simplify this enough, but if you plant, if you plant an orange tree, you are going to get oranges. You're not going to get apples. You're not going to get peaches. If you plant corn in the ground, you're going to get corn. What you plant is what you will sow. And there is a solemn warning today that we need to be careful what we are sowing and what we are reaping. He says here in Galatians, he talks about the flesh and the spirit. So let me point you to two things. Number one, are you living for the flesh or are you living for the Spirit? And then number two, are you sowing the flesh or are you sowing the Spirit? That's an important question for you and I to, to ask ourselves and to understand the answer. Next, we see there is a solemn warning concerning serving two masters. And again, trying to hurry, but Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There are some folks, and they are walking the line today, and they're trying their best. They are trying their best to serve two different masters. It does not matter if it's if it's the world, listen, I've worked three jobs at one time before, and one always takes precedence. Always. It, Leah, it's not like, well, I work three jobs, and I work 20 hours here, 20 hours here, and 20 hours here. You're going to call into one of them. You're going to work over for one of them. You're going to like one of them, and you're going to hate the other of them. No man can serve two masters. Christian, tonight... I want you to hear this and hear it well. You cannot serve two masters. If you're, listen, I realize that you're in church Sunday morning for, hopefully, you're here for Sunday school, you're here for Sunday morning service, you're here Sunday night service, you're here Wednesday night. That's four services a week. Four services a week within two days. 
you got five other days that you're out there and you're amongst the world. And I'm trying to be real with you tonight. I believe the Word of God can change you. I believe God can change you. So do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But do you realize how difficult it is for someone that's been out in the world for five days to get what they can get within four hours being at church? That's difficult. But there's a lot of folks that they're, they're living for what's out there. That's, that's one master. And then they're trying to serve God on Sunday or on Wednesday night. One of them, one of them, Brother Jody, one's going to be more important. You say, well, I, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't help being missing every once in a while. I can't help being late. But you know, you, there's not a clock on the wall for us to punch in. And you don't give me a check here at the church because I'm here and I'm on the clock. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. I understand that. But something about God needs to be a priority in our lives. And I understand every once in a while, I understand that. I'm not going to beat you up over it. But there has to come a time where God and God's house takes precedent. The things of God takes precedent. There's a solemn word concerning serving two masters. There's a solemn word concerning the end of the wicked. Psalm 9 verse 17 the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. The wicked has, has no other option if they remain wicked. If they die in their sin, guess what? They're not giving a, they're not pulling out lottery numbers saying, okay, three of y'all are going to go to heaven. I know you've not, I know you don't believe in God. I know you've lived wicked all your life, but we're going to give you a, we're going to give you a, 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 a free pass. No, that's not the way it works. The wicked shall be, he says, turned into hell. There's a solemn warning. Number three, there's a word of promise. We, we've talked about the earnest word. We've talked about the solemn warning. And I want you to know this, the word of promise. There is a promise of salvation. Somebody just say amen. You'll help your preacher tonight if you'll say amen. I'm glad tonight that we have a promise of salvation. And we could, we could spend 20 minutes going through the promises of salvation from the Old into the New Testament. But I want you to listen to this. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There is a word a promise. A promise of salvation. We know what the Scripture says. There's none righteous, no, not one. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. We understand all of those things. I think, I think we all understand that in here tonight. But there is a promise of salvation in what Jesus Christ Himself said. That if we would believe on Him, and we would hear His Word, that we would have everlasting life. And not come into condemnation. He said that person that does that is passed from death unto life. There's a promise of preservation in John chapter 10 verse 28. He says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
I gave this illustration the other day, and and you've probably heard it before. Uh, but I've heard people, especially the the folks of the Church of God, the charismatic uh, movement, I've heard them say things like, uh, "Well, I can jump out of God's hand myself, or I can walk out of God's hand." Or I, you know, I, I've I've mentioned this before about a lady that I believe she was a great Christian lady, uh, but she came from that Church of God background that she believed that she could lose her salvation and the day that she died she was a nervous wreck because she wasn't sure if she would surely go to heaven she did not know if she had sinned between the last time she prayed and this moment what a sad state of affairs to not have that assurance but the scripture says that no man can pluck you out of my hands and I've given this before but the hollow of our hand is that little indention when we go as far back in the palm of our hand that is the hollow of our hand and the Scripture tells us that He holds the waters of the world in the palm of His hand. And if He does that, what makes us so big, what makes us so strong or so enduring that we think that in and of ourselves we can walk any length of God's hands and jump out of His hand? What makes us so think that we're so strong that we can reach into God's hands and pluck ourselves out? We cannot, no matter which way you turn it, we are not strong enough. We are, I'll help you here. We are not God enough to be able to pluck ourselves out of God's hands. There's a promise of preservation. He says, I'll give them eternal life and they shall never perish. That's good enough for me. I, listen, I don't know that I've ever been so, I hate to say it like this, and I'm goofy all the time, but I don't know that I've ever been so goofy that I ever thought about plucking myself out of God's hand. Something's different. (laughs) To feel like you want to pluck yourself out of God's hands, something ain't right. I said it yesterday, you're too too fried short of a happy meal is what you are. And I'm not trying to be funny per se, but something ain't right. If you think you can pluck yourself out. And then we see that there is a promise of glorification. This is my last couple verses right here. John seventeen twenty four. He says, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. He said, Jesus Christ is praying to the Father, and He says, I will, I would that they be with me where I am. What did He say in John 14? He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He began to talk about heaven a little bit. And then He says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so there is a word of glorification. We, we look at this and we, we see the word glory. We see the word glory here, John 17, 24, that he wants us to be where he is so that we may behold his glory. But I told you there was a promise of glorification. Listen to this. Second Timothy chapter four, verse six, seven and eight. Paul said to Timothy, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, 
There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So once we get to where he is, we will see him in his glory. Once we get to where he is and we are judged by the righteous judge and we are given our crown of righteousness, if you will, we're given those rewards from God. Guess what's going to happen? Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 10 and 11. It says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they um, they are and were created. You say, well, I don't understand that verse there in Revelation chapter 4. Who are the four and twenty elders? Well, I can't tell you exactly who they are. I don't know if it's Bob and Joe and Jim. I don't know about all that. But I believe in my heart that it could be those Old Testament saints and those New Testament saints that have been brought together somehow by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be able to be together with the Lord as he prayed there in John chapter number 17. And one of these days when God has given all of the saints of God their rewards, I believe with all of my heart that we're going to take those crowns off of our heads and we're going to lay them things at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have been giving a word of promise and it was a promise of glorification. Understand here today how that once we get to heaven, we'll not be seeking glory. We'll not be seeking fame. We'll not be seeking a name for ourselves, but rather how we will bow and we will worship the king. What did the scripture say there in Revelation? It says that they were worshiping around the throne and said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. One of these days, the self that has so harmed us over here will be done away with over there, and we will desire. Desire simply to worship and serve the Creator, and we are going to give Him all the glory that we wish we could give down here, because we'll have all eternity to give it over there. Let's stay in tonight.